0: featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life? You've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game, and you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down, I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work. And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you Apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me, and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve and spots once again are super limited so make sure you apply you can find the link in my instagram bio my instagram handle's dr morgan coaching and the link will also be in the show notes i'm so excited for you to embody that healthy securely attached version of you you are so worthy of it welcome everyone to the let's get vulnerable podcast we have a very special guest with us Lauren, welcome. I'm so excited to have you.
1: I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun.
0: You have to say your last name for me. <laughs> so
1: this is the best way to remember it. And I'm so glad you asked me because most people just butcher it and then never ask me how to actually say it. So it's Zoller. So think Dollar Bill, but with a
0: Z. Zoller. Got it. I love it. Holler Zoller. That's what I'm, I'm going to do. love <laughs> it. <laughs> Okay. So a little bit about Lauren. She is a seven-figure entrepreneur, host of the Aligned Love podcast, speaker, and author. She's the founder of the Aligned Love Experience. Lauren is an expert practitioner in reparenting, generational healing, and somatic experiencing. Through her work, she created the proprietary voice activation method that has been used to help thousands of men and women heal from past trauma and take ownership of their future. She's a certified dating and relationship coach, and her insights have been featured on the Drew Barrymore Show, the NY Post, Business Insider, Medium, NBC News, Goalcast, Shape Magazine, and other international media outlets. Basically, Lauren is incredible and we are so excited to have her on the podcast. So, once again, welcome. So happy to have you. So excited to be here. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot we could talk about. And I know we were already talking um, before we got started here. Randomly, though, I have to ask how was the Drew Barrymore show like getting to meet her? What was that like? So actually what happened is
1: I had a video that went viral about butterflies, talking about um, how butterflies are a signal from your nervous system that a relationship may not may not be safe. Right. And we often think of butterflies as this magical thing. But over time, I kind of debunked that myth and she loved it. So she picked it up. The New York Times, actually, New York Post, I'm sorry, picked it up first. And then she saw it on the New York post and then did a whole thing about it last Valentine's day. So it was really cool.
0: It was um, really really cool. So this is the
1: power of, of social media, you know?
0: Oh my gosh. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. It was really great. And the message was really awesome to get more awareness around the nervous system. I'm like, yes, of all the posts that could have been picked up. It was that one. So
0: So good. Well, I know we're going to dive even more into that today. So I'm so excited to have you for that. Um, To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you found yourself doing this kind of work?
1: Yeah. So I always take people back whenever I tell this story to when I started my coaching practice, because it's really important to kind of give us because people are like, did you just wake up and you were a dating and relationship coach? It's like, no, it's not how it happened. Um, so for just for the sake of time, I'm going to go back about eight and a half years ago. I was coaching. I had just kind of stepped into the coaching world and things were going well, right? Like I was being featured in large publications. I was being you know interviewed on different podcasts. And at that time, I was helping other coaches and consultants launch their coaching practices with heart. That was kind of my my buzzline, And it was going well. I was traveling the world with friends. I had my, I laugh. I have my own, I had my own like real life Kindle that was following me around the world and traveling with me. And I was doing all of the things that we as successful people are taught to do. I was reading one personal development book every single month. I had my own team of coaches and therapists. I was reciting my morning affirmations in the mirror for 15 minutes every day. I was doing all of the things that we as successful people are taught to do. And it was working, right? Like on the outside, it looked like I was super successful. And then one day it all came completely crashing down in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this day, Morgan. I was standing in front of the mirror, reciting my affirmations. And I had this pit in my stomach and I was like, something isn't right. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that where you're like, something's off. And I glanced down at my phone and I had several missed calls from my Kindle, a little Kindle boyfriend, his mom calling to let me know that he was checking himself into rehab for the sixth time that year. Kind of a big one. Then I had two more calls that day. The second call I received just a few hours later was from my accountant, letting me know that my business was 30K in the red. He had no idea we were going to crawl out. And the third call that I received that day was from my doctor, letting me know that a biopsy I had taken earlier that week had come back as potential cancer. Oh, so here I was living this so-called perfect life, which we see on social media all the time. And internally, I was a complete disaster and I didn't, I didn't know why. Right. Because I had coaches, I had therapists. Like I was that girl that had her therapist on speed dial. And I was so proud of it. Right. Like I was constantly verbally processing with my therapist. And it wasn't until I hit that rock bottom moment that I had a friend come to me and say, You know, you've done so much cognitive processing, but you're constantly in this like go, go, go state all the time. Have you ever thought about? why, even though you may know that your trauma links to childhood, it's like your body's still living in it. And so I started to get curious about what that meant. And that was my first invitation into somatic work and really getting an understanding how the nervous system holds on to trauma. Even if we cognitively process it, your nervous system still holds on to it and will continue to repeat it. And in essence, not really give you the life that you want. So in that moment is when I started to dive into, I hired my first somatic therapist. I really dove into it and completely fell in love with the work and it, it shifted my life. I went from 30 K in debt to making my first six figures in my business in a month. I finally found a healthy, secure partnership, you know, a year and a half later after getting rid of a rehab guy and my whole, my whole life shifted. My cancer went away my cancer scare wasn't cancer anymore which was pretty amazing. So this work the work that I lead men and women through through somatic experiencing and getting them to understand the other 80% of the healing puzzle and not doing verbal processing mm-hmm. became my my life force and I was like wait a second everybody needs to have their hands on this and that's what led me here which is why I'm doing this now in the dating world and helping men and women find the same for themselves.
0: Oh, such an amazing story, and I I love that you had this career, and it was obviously things you were so so good at, and then now switching to something that clearly is so purpose driven for you. And I can only imagine the difference in I want to say fulfillment or just how you even operate as a professional. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: It's, wow. It's, you know when you find think you really have to go through your own rock bottom. I don't like to call it rock bottom, but you've got to go through your own crash and burn.
0: Oh yeah. I had mine people on the, the audience knows about mine for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like all of us that are in this space have that at some point, because when I was yeah. teaching people how to build their businesses, it was great, but it wasn't, you know, it was just, what I was supposed to be doing. Cause that's what they tell you to do when you enter. Yes. The hospital,
0: you it's know? what you were doing instead of what you felt called to do.
1: Yes.
0: 100%. Which is the difference. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. Oh, I feel like there's so many things I want to ask you. So I'm like, okay. Um, so Lauren, obviously you went through a lot of your own healing for someone who doesn't know what the heck somatic processing is or that whole world. Can you give us an explanation an introduction to that? for sure. Yeah. So the
1: word somatic, the root of somatic is soma, which means the whole body. So I often tell people when you come when you when you get to somatic experiencing or to somatic therapy, what you're doing is you're getting the whole body to renegotiate trauma. So oftentimes when we go to traditional talk therapy, or if we go to a therapist that does CBT work, even brain spotting and EMDR can sometimes have the same effect. We're cognitively processing our trauma, which means you can sit there and tell me that your mother or father wasn't emotionally available as a child. And that is why you continue to repeat the same loops in your dating world, and your dating situation by dating emotionally unavailable men or women. You can cognitively tell me that, right? But what I usually see is that even though you can speak that to me and you can speak that to your therapist, you go on a date and emotion, an emotionally available guy shows up. And next thing you know, you're a month in and you're dating him again. <laughs> yep. What happens in that moment is that your nervous system has created a baseline for safety in a survival response, either fight, flight, freeze, or fun. And so that false sense of safety continues to play out in that dynamic with him, even though you cognitively know the guy's not good for you, your body is still wanting that hit of safety outside of itself. If it, if it received that as a child. So what somatic experiencing and somatic therapy does is it gets you to redefine your baseline of safety so that you can understand security in your own body And not relive those survival responses in your, in your patterns of connection with other people. So it's the other 80% of the healing puzzle. You need the cognitive piece. You need to be able to link what's going on in your current reality to what happened to you as a child or any sort of traumatic event you had and how it had an effect on you. But the other 80% that most people miss is how do we renegotiate that in the body from the neck down? so that the whole body is on board and not repeating these same cycles over and over again.
0: So so good and I relate to so much of what you shared about traditional therapy just not quite cutting it. As a psychologist, I spent years helping people and I just knew that there was things that were missing and this is why I entered into the coaching world because I knew there was things people needed that I couldn't give them as a psychologist. Um, but yeah, realizing that we can understand things on a cognitive level, but it's a whole different thing to emotionally internalize and find that, that safety in the body that, that you're talking about. So such a good explanation. I think that's going to be helpful to people. Um, so when you start to think about this and maybe someone who's listening is like, well, I've never connected to my body. I don't, I don't even know what that would look like. Like, do you have anything really simple that somebody could try if they were doing this for the first time? For sure. Yep. And I call it a somatic check-in. And it's
1: actually the first thing that I give any of my clients when they come to me, sometimes we'll spend a month here. So what I do want to say to everyone that's listening is, we have to understand that the nervous system doesn't speak in story. Okay. So that story that you keep word vomiting to your therapist or calling your best friend and talking about the nervous system doesn't understand that language doesn't speak in story. The nervous system speaks in sensation and emotion only, Okay, That's the only language of the nervous system. So if you want to be able to start to learn your nervous system and understand where it is, in the activation and deactivation cycle, you have to get really familiar with sensations and emotions. So this is my favorite exercise and I give it to everybody. All you're gonna do is you're gonna take your phone out and you're gonna set three timers on your phone for morning, noon, and night. Doesn't matter what time, okay? And I want you to do this for a month. So I want you to dedicate doing this exercise for one month. And all you're gonna do is when the timer goes off, You're going to take a moment to check in with your body, what sensations are present, what emotions are present. And then I want you to write down what you were doing when the timer went off. So for instance, if the timer went off right now, I would take a moment. It should take less than five seconds. I would take a moment to check in with my body. I feel a tingling in my fingers. I feel a warmth in my low belly. Mm -hmm. I feel peaceful. What am I doing? I'm being interviewed on a podcast talking about something I love. This then gives me a clue as to where my body is in a moment-to-moment basis. Mm-hmm. When I started doing this exercise, when I first started learning about the nervous system, I realized that my heart was always racing. Mm-hmm. I, I also knew that my stomach always felt like it was a knots. Specifically, when I was doing something related to work, or when I was doing something related to money, or when I was getting ready to go on a date when the timer would go off, And so that gave me the clue that my body was in an activated state. And so I started to be able to understand, okay, what is too much activation? What is, what does peace look like? What does safety look like? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When you start to get into somatic experiencing and really understanding the nervous system and understanding the four survival responses, you can really see where your body is in a moment to moment basis. And then say, oh, wait a second. I'm in a lot of activation right now. I can resource safety. That's the goal. But the first step is always learning the language first. And this is a great place to start.
0: I love it so much. I'm having a moment right now. I'm like, of course, we've connected. I have something I've talked about on the podcast a lot. And it's the same thing, like timer on your phone three times a day. Mine's a little different. So yours is like amazing. But I would just say I have people ask themselves, what are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And then what do you need to feel better supported? Yeah, that's great. So I love, I love that we're connected. It's like I the know. universe brings us together, right? That's so amazing. I love it. I love the,
1: I really do love that question too. What What do you need in that moment, right? That's, that's a really big one. And that's how you source safety for yourself is to ask that question. So
0: I love yeah. that. Oh, I just, I already love this episode so much. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I'm, I'm curious for those that are starting to apply this. Um, what are some ways that they can like really, really get the most out of it? Or like what, what have you seen people who are successful with this practice? Like how how do they stay consistent and, and get the most out of it?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you this, it's really, it's difficult when you get into somatic work to not work with a trained SEP, which an SEP stands for somatic experiencing practitioner. We go through a ton of training. It's a four-year program. Um, And the whole program is based in helping you identify trauma in the body. And we as SEPs teach you how to renegotiate. That trauma. And sometimes when we're in an activated state, when we're in one of those four survival responses that I talked about earlier, it's oftentimes hard for us to see outside of what's happening. So I would suggest if you have had, and everybody on the planet has had trauma, mm-hmm. and really quick, let's just talk about trauma because I think it's. I'm, thru- so, I'm so glad you
0: said that. Let's clear that <laughs> up. Everyone's had it.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about it really quickly and then we'll kind of circle back trauma to me is thrown around like water in our society today and what people don't understand is that trauma is not actually an event it's not an event that happened it is the stuck lingering survival response that happened as a result of something that was too overwhelming for your system to be able to regulate right so if there a bear suddenly appeared in the room with you and You went into one of the four survival responses to hopefully save your life, which your body automatically does. And you didn't have time to renegotiate how traumatic that was. Chances are every time you sat down in your seat where you are right now, when that bear entered the room or a seat that looks close to the seat that you're sitting in right now, your body will go back into that survival response because it didn't have time to properly deactivate in your system. So this can happen when we're children right? It can happen when we're adults. It can happen when we're in our teenage years. And if we don't properly ever renegotiate that survival response, that's what we continue to relive. Mm -hmm. So working with an SEP, with a somatic experiencing practitioner, or someone who has that training can help give you the tools to properly renegotiate those stuck responses. And with trauma, there's not a one size fits all model.
0: Mm -hmm. There's just not. Mm, yeah, I'm. So, I'm so glad you said that.
1: Yeah. So I would say get in with an SEP, do some work. Also, resourcing. There's this term in SE called resourcing, which is what provides me safety. Like, what do I know feels really yummy, juicy, and good to my nervous system? For me, it's baths. I love. I love baths. Like, baths. oh my
0: gosh, girl, <laughs> sauna, sauna and bath for for me, for yeah. sure. I. I built a house and I'm really excited about it. And I have this whole like beautiful bath area because of this. I this love is my, it. It's a resource. My spa. Like I, that, yes, I need that. I need yeah. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. So if you can find your resource and you can make it a point to do it daily, right? So like that sauna and your bath, that needs to be like, screw your morning routine right you need to be resourcing yourself because the more that you can give your body access to safety the more you expand your window of tolerance for your body to be able to have safety as its baseline so resource the crap out of yourself
0: daily. yeah so so good i love it i love it um i want to shift just a little bit because i think i've heard you talk about this on your social media and we talk about it a lot on this podcast where and you already talked about it where you find yourself attracted to the person that you know is emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. and i would say like we find ourselves almost addicted to the chaos that comes with that kind of dynamic and then i would go further and say that anxious avoidant attachment dynamic talk to us about like why does that happen And how and what does that do to our bodies, I guess, or like what is that like as a as a bodily experience when you're in that kind of dynamic?
1: Love it. Yeah, let's jam out on this because it's one of my favorite things to explain. So let's use just the emotional unavailability, the emotionally unavailable partner for an example. Okay. If you grew up in a childhood home where emotions were not readily expressed or they weren't welcomed and they didn't, they weren't safe like if you had a parent that told you to just quit crying go to your room or if you expressed maybe they didn't express emotions or if you expressed an emotion they told you to be quiet what ends up happening is that as a young adult or as a young child you create a survival mechanism to to receive love right so if you had mom and mom's not emotionally available chances are you did certain things you created a version of yourself that would shut down or maybe act out in order to receive that love that wasn't given to you as a child. You created this version of yourself to receive love from from a parent. That is a survival response that shows up in your body. So oftentimes when I see women that are with emotionally unavailable men, they are really high in what's called the fawn survival response. The fawn survival response is I'm gonna discount my needs. I'm not gonna use my voice. I'm going to people please so that you will accept me. Because if you don't accept me, I might die.
0: Mm, You're describing every relationship I had in my 20s, by (laughs) the way. Same, same year. Took me a of time to figure that out.
1: But that dynamic is the same thing that we experienced as a kid, right? Like. I'm not going to speak how I actually feel. I'm not going to be able to express my emotions. I'm going to have to shut down mom so that you'll like me so that you'll accept me because I need your love. And if I don't have your love, I'm going to die. So what ends up happening is that that stuck response stays in our body, stays in our body. And then we end up becoming adults. And next thing we know, we're in these relationships with emotionally unavailable people. And all we're doing is trying to people people please our way to survival. We just want them to accept us because if if they accept us, we're safe for a moment until we need that next hit of safety. Mm -hmm. So with SE work and with trauma work, when we're working with the body, we have to redefine that safety to a place of what's called ventral vagal connection, which is connectedness to self and knowing that I am my source of worthiness. I don't need to go externally to have that validated. It's within me. But if you were never taught that as a child because you didn't have parents who knew how to be with big emotions, then there's no way that you're going to be able to be in a healthy partnership with someone because you're just repeating what you were taught
0: Mm -hmm. as a kid right? Mm-hmm.
1: So this is why I say all the time that children raised in chaos are oftentimes triggered by peace and safety when they do find secure
0: partnership,
1: mm-hmm. because they're looking for that hit of external validation and it's not there.
0: Oh, so good. Yeah. I tell the story on the podcast that when I still hadn't really done my own healing work, um, I started dating this great guy, really emotionally available, handsome, great career, like amazing guy, but he was very securely attached, very stable. And I found any way I could to break up with him. And I remember one of the reasons I had was, he likes baseball. I don't want to go to baseball games. So I just love that example of like, when it's not our home, right, we will find whatever we can to sabotage it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I, I also, I want, um, I want people to know because I feel like the word sabotage too can sometimes be taken out of context. And I want, I, what I want people to understand is that you're trying to survive it's actually, extremely, yes. it's extremely brilliant. Survival. It. It's survival. Right.
0: Yes. But
1: we don't, when we live in survival, we're not thriving, you know? So it's like, we do self-sabotage and there's also like this really beautiful side to it where it's like, we're just trying to survive. We're trying to stay alive, but it's just not serving. We have to shift that.
0: And it makes me think going back to your story that you shared about your life. When, when we say thriving, that's not this external version of what thriving is, which you know you shared. You were you were like thriving in career and all looking all the, all the ways that you perceive someone who's successful, but it's emotionally thriving, right?
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. It was all a facade, and it was so hard to keep up, which is why it came crumbling down. You know, now that I've done this work and I understand safety. The things in my life, most people would be like, they sound boring. Like I have a great relationship. I'm healthy. I have fantastic friendships. I have a wonderful career that I get to do, you know, what I want. My success is stable. It's all stable, but it's not built on this facade or this mask of what I thought I should be achieving, which was in essence, a trauma response in and of itself.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're kind of, um, in a, in a similar, uh, or I had like a similar coping response here. Cause I know for me, I thought if I just achieve, if I'm super successful, then my dad is going to pay attention to me. That was my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like reaching the level that I thought was going to like win his approval and love, And he was just like, that's great. Yeah. And that was one of those moments where I really spiraled even deeper and just really confronted, okay, I have to do the work to love myself to get to this place where you're talking about where I'm not looking for that external safety or that external validation. Right. So.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I had a very similar experience. I've always been trying to achieve for my father until I recognize that it's unattainable.
0: Yeah. You know, what's cool about this too. And I don't know if this is what happened for you, but for me, now that I've realized all this, I have such a different relationship with my dad and we're actually friends, I would say, and we can talk about things and I love him for who he is. And it's just opened up this whole new path of having a great relationship with him.
1: Yeah. It's the same for me too. It's I accept him for who he is and, and honestly, then and I don't know if it's the same for you. It's been so healing for my entire family. When I healed myself, it gave permission for my family to do the same because I started to get unapologetic around my boundaries and what I allowed and what was healthy and what wasn't healthy. And it had this trickle down effect. And so my whole family has healed as a result of it, which is really cool to see too.
0: Yes same for me. I got goosebumps when you're talking about this. I just hosted my whole family together in Montana. It had been seven years since we'd all been in the same place. And it was just that realization of, wow, for the first time ever, there's peace, there's connection. And because everybody's been doing their work. So yeah. I so relate. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it.
1: Yeah. I'm all about generational healing. It's you yes, have, you have, we to. have to,
0: right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, thinking about applying, so it's February, we have Valentine's day, um, thinking about how this changes your dating life and how you go about dating. What, what can you tell us about that?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I will just say if this spurs anything in you, when you're listening to this, just start to get curious about it. Um, (sighs) It's hard when you start to dive into this work to not feel like you can't take it on you know, tenfold. I have a lot of women that come to me when they work with me or go through my programs um, where they start to recognize as they start to dive in and understand, oh, my gosh, I think I'm living out this pattern in my dating life. Or this is showing up and I'm getting really activated here to not take a step to really step back and say, okay, wait a second. I think I need to get to know myself on a deeper level. Um so I would say that if you are out there in the dating world and you're feeling like I'm so sick and tired of being alone and I really want to figure out what the issue is start to go start to go inside start mm-hmm. to ask yourself these hard questions and really start to dive into understanding your survival responses within dating situations because dating to me will bring it all out like anything that you're trying to run away from if you just look How people show up in your dating world, it will tell you everything that you need to know about yourself that needs to heal.
0: That's so good. Yeah, it's such an incredible healing and growth opportunity. Yeah, it's a painful one. It's so painful, Mm -hmm. but it's so worth it. Yes, absolutely. Um, what? And I want to go back to this because I know we were talking about almost hyper independence and achievement as coping. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's so many women in our society now that are focusing on being the boss babe and focusing on their careers. and I don't need no man, you know, like that that whole culture, um, I just I don't know. I'm like I'm worried about i'm I'm worried about it. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on why we do that and just how it impacts us in our bodies too? yeah,
1: so this is a little bit of a different conversation, but I, I really I was actually talking to someone about this last night. Um, someone had asked me the question, how do you feel about traditional roles within the home? You know, a man really not being the breadwinner, but being the protector, being the provider. And how do you feel about this whole feminist movement and everything that's coming forward about women feeling like they need to wear the pants and do all of the things? And you know, I may get some backlash from this, but I truly feel like we have a polarity problem
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in our society today. And that you can still be, I hate the term boss, babe. Like I absolutely, I know,
0: I know it's bad. (laughs) Um,
1: you can still be a boss as a female, run your own business, have the things that you deeply desire, go after your passions and tap into your full divine feminine and be the nurturer at home. Yes. And the polarity problem, I think, is that we've been having is that women haven't felt, because we have so much generational trauma from our fathers, women haven't felt that deep sense of true healthy masculine because their fathers weren't able to provide it. So they don't know what it feels like to be protected and provided for. So what has happened is that women then have felt like, okay, This means I got to do everything I got to protect. I got to provide, I got to nurture. I've got to do everything for myself. And so it has swung women so far into their masculine that we now have this movement of a lot of wounded feminine women walking around the planet who can't tap into their divine feminine, into that sacred sensuality. And it goes the same for men because now that women are here. Men aren't getting the nurturing that they truly need
0: because
1: a man needs that. Like a man will, when you find a man who is in his true divine masculine and understands his role, it's like the biggest exhale in the world for a woman, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can still run a successful company and come home and be taken care of, and vice versa. So to me, I truly feel like the whole boss babe movement. There's a little bit of unhealthy uh, polarity that uh, we've got going on.
0: I, I mean, I I love this discussion. And I, I think one of the things to realize is it's not that you're going to be in your feminine energy all of the time and be wearing these white flowy robes and, you know, you're just like, oh, it's all good. It's like, it's not you all the time, but you want to be able to access that part of yourself and particularly with your partner, right? And I always talk about that if we're going to access our um our divine, you know place of of being a feminine energy, I'm gonna go fire it up so I can't talk. But if we're going to do it, then we have to feel emotionally safe. Yes. And if we don't feel emotionally safe, if we haven't created that secure attachment, with our partner, it's going to be really, really hard for us to access that part of ourselves. but it's up to us to create that for ourselves first. Right. I think before we expect a partner to do yeah. it for us,
1: you, you can't, you can't expect your partner to do it for you because you're right. We, we all have, even though we're talking about polarity between a man and a woman, we all have this same polarity within ourselves, So we have to find that safe, that space of security within ourselves with that balance of the masculine and feminine in order to be able to show up for a partner. So you're absolutely right. We have to be able to access that security within us before we can step into partnership with someone else and find that together.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And I I do hope, that we can, as a society, start to heal more and realize this about the, the polarity and just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the movement where we we realize that, okay, both men and women can have both energies. Yes, We can both be nurturing. We can both lead. Mm-hmm. And we can create these partnerships where we're both taken care of. Yeah. Because it's kept- you're right, like yeah. women have taken on so much You think about like women in the home who have children and have careers and they're like trying to take care of their partner and also stay healthy and fit. And like all, all the things that I feel like women have taken on has really thrown us into a masculine energy.
1: It has. And we, we have a lot of weak men because of it too. And that has been really sad to
0: see. There are women like snapping their fingers right now. When <laughs> I you saw
1: that. <laughs> I know, but I want to say this too, because, um, for as many weak men as there are out there, there are, and I know this because I'm surrounded by them. There are so many conscious, strong men out there too, but you can't vibrate at their level if you haven't done the work to come home to yourself. You can't, yeah. like, a conscious man's going to want nothing to do with a masculine woman. He's just not going to want that because it's going to be too much. So, again, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, you've really got to come home to yourself mm-hmm. and understand security within yourself so that you can vibrate at the level of not mm-hmm. women.
0: <laughs> and I just want to acknowledge that. Um, there are so many people who think that these kinds of men don't exist, but mm-hmm. they are out there. They do yeah. exist. Yes. Um there's so many great examples of them in our culture. I think of Ed Milette, who we were talking about. And what, what I love about him is he is so powerful. Yep. And he is so in touch with his emotions at the same time. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you're like this brute, like smash kill kind of person, right? Like you can still be so in touch with your emotions in a masculine way, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Ed Milet's a beautiful example of that. He is just for those of you who've never met Ed Milet or seen him, he's like he's a guy that you would think about when you like go to the you know the macho gym, and he's like throwing a round yeah. weight. Like he's just a big guy. He has such a strong presence. But when he speaks and when he talks, it's so centered and grounded. He was telling the most beautiful story last week about, you know, connecting with his son and daughter when they were born and telling them that they were beautiful and loved. And he did it every single day. And I'm like, this man gets it. Yeah. He gets it.
0: The protector.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. I feel like I could talk with you for (laughs) forever. Um, I want to just move. Into, if there's anything that someone who's like really struggled in their past, and they just feel like they're kind of like hopeless, they're not really sure that they'll ever be able to have a great relationship. But just any advice you would have for them getting started, Mm -hmm. because we we've been there, we've been at that rock bottom place. But just what what would you say to them if they're just getting started on their healing journey?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, my, the one thing that shifted so much for me was realizing that in order for me to shift, I had to be a yes for myself. And that meant investing in myself. Now people can oftentimes hear like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? I need to go spend thousands of dollars to go, you know, hire a coach and a therapist. And the answer to that is no. But there's something that happens in your somatic self when you allow yourself to invest in something that feels scary because mm-hmm. it puts your butt on the line to actually shift what's keeping you stuck. And an example of this is when I was 30K in debt in my business and I was really struggling, all those things that were, hap- were happening, happening, I had, I was introduced to a somatic therapist and in order to work with her, it was an investment. More than I had, I was $30,000 in debt. And I decided in that moment that I had to be a yes for myself. And that I was going to get out of this mess. I had no idea how to see my way out, but I needed to say yes to that. So I would say that if this is you and you're new to your journey, figure out what feels scary for you and go do that. Mm-hmm. It. Because so there's good. so much power And someone else lighting the candle for you and showing you the way.
0: Yeah, this is so good. There's there's something so even, I I don't know how to put it into words, but there's a shift that happens as soon as you make that investment. It's like telling your your body and your brain that you are so worth the investment. And just by doing that, it creates a huge shift. Yeah. Well, it allows that
1: that negative response in your body that survival response to start to deactivate because all that's happening there you got yourself into this mess because you don't think that you're worthy of saying yes to yourself so when you say yes your body says oh wait i'm not going to die like yes i'm going to invest this and i'm still able to live like nothing happened Mm -hmm. oh i can show up for this because i now know it's going to change my life so So good
0: yeah that's i love that I love that. I think people definitely need to hear that because for so many of us, it's so easy to put our energy and our resources into everything else in our life. And then when it comes to us, we get blocked. So just by that act of that investment in yourself, it's a rebellion. It's a, it's a beautiful gift and start to transformation.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't ever go away. You know, my, I work with a somatic, I have my own therapist and my own coach, right? I'm pay my team close to six figures for coaching, right? And I am a coach. So, you're always you're always in that space of growth. You're always in that space of investing in yourself because the more that you do, the more you can expand. Just kind of the way that it yes.
0: is. Yes. Yes, 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 new levels. I would talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um my final question I ask every guest this you're walking down the street, a random person comes up to you. They want to know your best life advice. Mm -hmm. And it can just be of like today, this moment, if someone asks you that, um, what, what would you say to them?
1: What is meant for you will never pass you.
0: So good. I like it.
1: Mm -hmm. What is meant for you will never pass you. That means no matter what you do, no matter who you date, no matter who you break up with or who breaks up with you, what is meant for you will never pass you. If it's meant for you, it'll stay. If it's not, it will not.
0: So good. I think anyone listening can just have a big exhale there and just know that, you know, you can't mess it up, right? Like you can't, you just got to show up you just got to keep showing up. That's the requirement. Yeah. So good. Well, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. I almost forgot. I know people want to connect with you. Please tell us how can they find you. So you can find me on
1: Instagram at Lauren Zoller. I'm also on TikTok at Coach Lauren Zoller, and then you can find me on my website at LaurenZoller.com
0: amazing. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. And of course, make sure that you tag us in your Instagram stories. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Um, and Lauren and I both are wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thanks Lauren. Thanks for having me.